Welcome to Park City Church. You're listening to our weekly message, where we hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know and follow Jesus and welcome and serve others. Thank you for tuning in. Today comes from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 8. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, Cry. And I said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Thanks for participating. You guys are such great uh, sports. I'd like to read one more passage of scripture before we sort of step into our uh, reading that Kristen has read for us from Isaiah. This this verse will sort of... uh, is what we're celebrating during this season. So this will uh, guide our conversation week to week. Uh, but this is from Luke chapter 10, uh, sorry, chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. And uh, this is a, a familiar scene to you, shepherds in the fields. And in this moment, uh, angels have appeared to them, and this is what we read. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Will you pray with me? Father, we love you. We thank you for your grace. Uh, We thank you for your word. Uh, We thank you for the comfort of your presence with us that we celebrate this season. Uh, We ask that in this moment, as your word uh, is opened, Jesus, that you would uh, meet us here. Um, We pray that uh, the words that are spoken in this moment would be pleasing, acceptable to you, that this would be a moment that brings not only you glory, but brings your grace at home uh, to our lives as well. We ask it in your name. Amen. So it's, 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 it's this bit that we celebrate, right? Good tidings of great joy. Uh, that over the course of this season, this will be the theme that we are resting in, this announcement of good uh, news, good tidings. And, and, and our approach, sort of this verse will be the theme. It'll guide our conversation. We'll pick up um, sort of phrases today, fear not. We'll pick up phrases from this verse along the way. But we are going to look at it through the lens of this announcement of good tidings as it comes to us in the Old Testament, uh, as we read in Isaiah, moments where we get glimpses much earlier in the story of this announcement of good news through voices like Isaiah's prophets who look forward to this moment when God will show up in his presence with his people and what that means and what that will look like. And so that's sort of going to be, this will be a verse we sit with uh, week to week, but uh, we'll step into sort of different passages of scripture along the way. And today is a familiar one, Isaiah chapter uh, 40. Comfort, comfort my people. 
he writes. Uh, so we were decorating in here yesterday. It looks lovely, right? Yes? Uh, it's beautiful. Thanks for not saying uh, no. <laughs> You're like, oh, man. Yeah. Uh, so uh, uh, my children and then the Hesseltines, uh, Reagan and Collins and Luke uh, Fowler were instrumental children in much of what you see. And one of the things, uh, the ki- these, you could tell them thanks when you see them, but one of the things... Um, one of the things that happened was they set up the nativity in the room in the back. And uh, there was a moment when, you know, it's these big figurines. They were taking the back, and I'm in here, and I hear, we've lost baby Jesus, right? We can't find baby Jesus. And uh, it was a point of concern and some anxiety, right? Like, they're kind of running around. It's a playful moment. We've lost baby Jesus. And it went on for a, a little bit. And then, and then at some point, they found him. But then I heard some variation, some expression of, you know, he was smaller than we expected, right? <laughs> I'm like, okay, right? Uh, which, which I'm wondering, like, is this not the way it always often perhaps seems to work? We're always losing him. And when we find him, he's never quite what we expected. I, I think uh, maybe this is a feeling you can relate to, right? We're, we're, we're uh, I don't know, that refrain, we've lost baby Jesus and he's smaller than we expected. Maybe it hits a little too uncomfortably close to home for the church at times, right? We tend to lose our way. Um, maybe it's uh, uh, relevant to the landscape of your own life right? These moments or feelings or experiences where we're left with the feeling we have somehow lost Jesus, baby Jesus. There's a Talladega Nights reference in here somewhere, but I'm not familiar enough with the movie to do it, so I'll just name it and let you run with it. Um, but uh, that somewhere along the way we have lost uh, Jesus, and, and, and maybe like he's hard to find, and when we do find him, he's not quite what we or expecting. Maybe it's true of the personal landscape of your life. Maybe it's true for you as you have scrolled through sort of the broader landscapes of the world, as you've lived them or experienced them. You're left with the feeling of like, we have, we have lost Jesus, right? And, and where is he in any or all of this? I uh, was reminded recently, maybe you've seen it, it was a few years ago, uh, the comedian Jim Gaffigan did a bit for CBS Sunday Morning News and uh, delivered in his sort of unique cadence and style, which I will not uh, be able to emulate here. Uh, He talks about, he's like, you know, what is your favorite TV show? That would have been a good question to start with, I guess. What's your favorite TV show? He's like, I don't care essentially what your favorite show is because, he says, I'll tell you, I'll tell you about my favorite show. And he says, it's called The News. The characters, he says, and all of this is overlaid with like scenes of the news from all stripes, right? He says, uh, the characters are so complex. The storylines are surprising and the acting is flawless. The heroes and the villains are replenished every day. Every night is a cliffhanger, he says. And then he tries to rationalize it a bit. He's like, I, you know, I'm just trying to stay informed. And, you know, it helps to spread awareness. But in the end, he confesses, I'm really just in it for the drama, <laughs> right? I'm in it for the drama. And then he, this uh, phrase, I, I almost expect every show to begin with previously on the news, right? Right? <laughs> I wonder, right? So he's sort of poking fun at the frenzy that is what so often is bad news, right? Just the sort of frenzied experience of that cycle. And I wonder if maybe that's not yours and perhaps my experience at times as well. 
uh, a frenzy of just bad news. I mean, we expect every day of our life, perhaps, this feeling of previously on the news. I think it's a feeling that, uh, that, that, that creeps up in Isaiah chapter 40. Uh, for 39 chapters, right? For, for, for 39 chapters, it's been a bit like that. Uh, that's not to say there have been moments of goodness, but it's been a frenzied sort of declaration and, and uh, a series of indictments of like, it feels like previously on the news, right? That, that just a series of uh, chapters in which we really, we bump into judgment. They're, they're full of intensity. Uh, the people of Israel, as Isaiah is writing to them, are in exile and far from the plan of God for their lives, and it, it would seem, far from anywhere God would be. And, and uh, there, in, in fact, uh, by their own sort of um, decision in some respect, right? Their lives and their world terribly and seemingly irrevocably, irrevocably broken, and much of it their fault, Right? And for 39 chapters, we've been sort of hearing indictments of, of this state and condition against them, against the world around them, whether they're sort of looking at the interior landscape of their lives or scrolling through the landscape of the world. It just feels like chapter after chapter of previously on the news. And the, the moment in, in Luke's gospel that we read in Luke chapter 2 says an interesting word to that feeling, or, or rather Isaiah 40 offers an interesting sort of response. So we, we have in this moment the angel's announcement of good tidings, and it begins with fear not. Fear not. I mean, if we sit with, if we were to have sort of publicly read all 39 chapters of Isaiah, it would have been a long morning. Uh, but, uh, you, you know, the feeling would have been when you come to Isaiah 40, what, what, what will the announcement be about God? I mean, fear seems like a natural and perfectly kind of acceptable response to this moment. Things have gone sideways. They are broken. Much of it my own doing. It only makes sense that in response to the news that maybe God would show up, fear seems like an appropriate response. Fear is what we perhaps would expect if God were to show up in the middle of the newsreel of our lives and the life of this world. It's powerful fear. I mean, algorithms prey upon it, right? Political systems are built around it. We're, the world is broken. We are broken. And, and in the midst of all that, the angel shows up and, 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 and announcing uh, the coming of God to uh, his people and begins with fear not. Like, uh, in the midst of all that brokenness, we, we get this and yet, right? There, there is a different word that is spoken here. A, a word that we hear in Isaiah chapter 40, a remarkably grace-filled Word, a turn in the book after 39 chapters of intensity. Comfort, comfort. Her sin is pardoned. All is paid, all is forgiven. There is a finality here, a, a factualness, a word of hope in response to all of the fear that would have been swimming around this moment. What will it mean when God shows up in the brokenness of my life? Comfort, comfort. Her sin is pardoned. It's a word that's announced, interestingly, in Isaiah before there's any change in their position or status or behavior, none of that stuff. Grace filled in this moment is the announcement that when God comes, this is good tidings, comfort, that even in the midst of all that you experience, there is reason for hope. I, uh, I read a book not too long ago by a guy named Francis Spufford, an English writer, and uh, yeah, I, you can come on, man. 
Um, I'm going to be briefer than normal this morning, but uh, it's been a holiday weekend and I had a big Thanksgiving meal and you guys are like, wow, he's already wrapping up, but my conclusion is like 10 minutes long, so <laughs> buckle up. I just needed the uh, sort of, you know, ambient uh, sounds back here. Man, okay, I'm so sorry to everyone involved. Um, but uh, so he's, he, he writes... Um, uh, sort of the story of his faith, and, 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 and uh, the book's called Unapologetic. I don't agree with everything in it, but, uh, he, he, uh, you know, he sort of writes an interesting case for sort of his coming to faith. And he describes a moment uh, early in the book where he, um, he, he had been through a difficult night in his home and family, and uh, uh, he, uh, you know, there's friction, and he's at a, he goes to the cafe, he's a writer, he doesn't write, like, Religiously, he has a career as a writer outside of anything related to faith, but has written this book about sort of faith. And uh, but he, he says he says in this moment, sort of in despair and he's in darkness. And uh, 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 Mozart's clarinet concerto come, comes on, and he sort of uses this as a launching point to talk about uh, this dynamic of bad news, good news in his life and maybe yours as well. Uh, he says he's sitting there. It's a gloomy morning. Uh, it had been a hard night. And uh, he hears the music, and it says it's just kind of like a bit of light in the midst of darkness for him. He was consumed with the darkness of his present situation, and this kind of soft light of, of this music just was a, an opening for him. And, and he says in that moment, he writes, I could not see any way out of sorrow. I could not see any way out of sorrow that did not involve some obvious self-deception, some wishful lie about where I had to go. And then he goes on and he, he says this. It offers a strong, t- t- talking about this concerto in this moment, in, in this moment it was a bit of light to him that it was a strong and absolutely calm rejoicing, but it didn't pretend that there was no sorrow. Well, on the contrary, he says, it sounds as if it comes from a world where sorrow is perfectly ordinary. But still, rather, still there is more to be said. I had heard it lots of times, but this time he said it felt like news to me. It said, everything you fear is true. Right? Everything you fear is true, and yet, and yet. Everything you have done wrong, you have really done wrong, and yet, and yet. Yet the world, he said, is uh, in this moment is wider than you fear it is, wider than the repeating rigmaroles of your mind, and it has this in it as well. As surely as it contains your unhappiness, it has this moment of hope. There's more going on here than what you deserve or don't deserve. There is this as well. It was in this moment an announcement of good tidings for him. Right? It's, 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 like, it's like what happens in this moment when, when the angel announces fear not. It's not fear not because there's nothing to fear, right? All of this, whatever, just fear not. No, it's, it's, it's fear not, but that is not all of the story. Fear not, again, not an announcement of like, man, all those things you carry are not real. No, it's... It's, it's a different word. It's a further word. We see it in the reading from Isaiah this morning, right? You know, the, 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 the fear is legitimate. God with his breath makes the grass wither, and we are but grass, right? It's this feeling like, yes, we would expect, right, when God shows up in the midst of my brokenness, and yet 
And yet there is another word from the gospel. That there is the, the invitation to fear not because there's the promise of hope. Because there is more to the story. Because the one who walks into the middle of the mess of your life and mine is the one who speaks of word of hope that will stand forever. Not a, not, not, not a kind of sort of like uh, sentimental hope, but the kind of real lasting hope that admits the brokenness of all that you carry and still offers another word and, and yet comfort, comfort my people. Her sin is pardoned. It's the good news. Even as the bad news of your life and mine perhaps blares loudly from all sorts of sources. And behind all of those things, you hear the whisper of fear, fear, fear. The gospel whispers a new word to you this morning. Hope, hope, hope. The author, Walker Percy, we've mentioned this before. He says human beings are just people waiting for news. And during the season of Advent, we are reminded that that news is good tidings of great joy. From God, whose word will stand. God who brings good tidings to the sinful brokenness of your life and mine, who brings a word of pardon to sin, a word of hope to fear. Thank you for listening to the Park City Church Podcast. To learn more about our church and or to find ways to get involved in our community, visit us at parkcitykc.com or follow us on social media at parkcitykc.com.